is unfailing, isn't it? That's awesome. Well, if you're a child and you're going to children's church, you can be dismissed for that. We have children's church for uh, sixth grade and under. So if you're going to children's church today, you can do that. The rest of you are trapped here with me for the next, I was going to say hour, but it won't be an hour. So, um, but uh, you're stuck here. So uh, our pastor, he's gone for, for the next little bit. And uh, so he's on a well-deserved vacation. He works hard. And so him and Katie, they're uh, going on a cruise and uh, I'm sure they're going to love it. It's going to be really, really good for them. And I'm excited for them. Uh, I do want to let you know for, for the next two weeks or so, he is going to be pretty much completely unavailable. And so if you need anything from the church, if you're under 60, you can text me. If you're above 60, you can text Pastor Forsberg. I'm just kidding. But uh, if uh, if you need anything, let me or Pastor Forsberg know. If you don't have our numbers, they're in the bulletin and uh, you, you can let us know if you need anything. But don't be offended if you text Pastor and he doesn't answer because I prompt, well, he's probably not ignoring you. He, he might be, but but no, I'm just, he's not ignoring you. Um, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 19. That's where we're going to be today. Um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 19. Everybody awake today? Are we all awake? Kind of, a little bit. I'm not, so that's good. You guys are. Um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 19. A, a couple months ago, the beginning of last year, I, uh, I started driving the bus for the local school district, and I've enjoyed it so far. It's been fun. Uh, I get to meet a lot of new people, and uh, I get to drive kids around, which that's always fun, and, uh, it's, and, it, and it pays pretty well, so, so it's, it's been a good time for me. Uh, but, but I have a problem, and it seems I don't do it all the time, by the way. Every now and then I'll do it, and it's because I'm, I'm just a sub, and so if somebody's sick or somebody goes on vacation, then I'll drive the bus for them. And I have a problem, and my problem is that every time, without fail, every time I drive the bus, something goes wrong. Every single time. And so a couple weeks ago, they asked me if I would drive, and it was a really easy route. And so I was like, man, I'm only picking up like two or three kids. So this is going to be easy. There's nothing can go wrong. It's going to be perfect. But it did. Um, and so I, I start driving the route, and I get on my bus. I go to the school. I pick up kids. I'm dropping kids off. Everything's going perfectly fine. Everything's going smooth. Everything's great. And then I drop off my last kid and I start heading back to the bus garage. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. Like every kid got off at the right stop. Nobody was crying. Nobody forgot their blanket at the school. Like this is awesome. And, I, and I'm going down Main Avenue and I pull up to 8th Street right at the corner there at the light. And I'm turning left and I, I pull up to the stoplight and the, the light's red. So I stop. And when I stopped, my bus just died. Like, and I'm not talking like it was had a little bit of juice. No, like totally, completely dead. Nothing's happening. So I'm like, okay, I'm in the middle of the road. There's people behind me. The light turns green. Now people are angry behind me because the dude in the short bus, he can't figure out how to drive. So, so now everybody's frustrated. And so I'm sitting there at the stop sign. I'm trying to restart. And, and you know, like, there's no reason why you do things that you do when your car dies. You just try everything you can. And so I like try to start the car. That didn't work. So I'm like pressing the brake thinking for like, that's going to start the car. And so I'm, then I press the gas thinking that's going to start. And I'm just trying everything that I can to get this bus started because like I'm in the middle of the road. And I found myself asking the question, why don't I have power? Like, why don't I have power? And we can look back at times where maybe your power has gone out in your house or maybe you lost power in your car or whatever it is. And, and a lot of times really funny memories are made during those times. But what's not funny is that when we have Christians who, who in their everyday life begin to ask themselves that question, why don't I have power? 
Because some of us, we came in this morning and you really didn't get that much sleep last night. Because you stayed up all night because anxiety and worry, man, they're just plaguing your mind and you just can't seem to stop worrying. Or maybe for you, you wake up in the morning and you just don't want to get out of bed because, because depression is just constantly plaguing your mind. And you just can't seem to get over it. And you don't want to feel that way, but you just can't seem to find the power to get over it. For some of you, maybe, maybe it's an addiction. Like you just can't get over it. You're addicted. Maybe, maybe it's alcohol and drugs or maybe it's something different. Maybe you're, you're addicted to gossip. You, you like can't get enough of it. Or, or, or maybe it's porn or maybe it's something else that, that you're just addicted to and you just can't seem to find the power to get victory over. The passage of Scripture that we're going to study today, there's a group of guys that were in the same predicament. They found themselves completely and totally without power. And I think we can relate to them. And so I want to tell you a little bit of what's going on in Acts chapter 19 before we read the passage. So what's happening in Acts 19, the book of Acts happens right after the Gospels. And so we have Jesus, he dies on the cross. And then after Jesus dies on the cross, there's this thing started called the church. And the church really begins in Acts chapter 2. And Peter, he goes out, he preaches at the day of Pentecost. Thousands of people come to know Jesus. And then later on in the book of Acts, a guy named Paul, he comes to know Jesus. And so now we've got, we've got the Apostle Paul. He's traveling around really the world, the known world at that time. And he's starting churches in different places. And in Acts chapter 19, he goes to a place called Ephesus. And in Ephesus, he begins to, to talk to these Jewish people. And he finds out that they hadn't been baptized yet. They had been baptized by John the Baptist, but since Jesus had come and died, they, they, they hadn't been baptized since the death of Jesus. And so they needed to be baptized. And so Paul baptizes them. And after he baptizes them, he goes to the synagogue. And for four months, he preaches at the synagogue. And they hated Paul. Paul was not their cup of tea. They, they wanted nothing to do with him. And for four months, Paul spent time with people who wanted nothing to do with him. And so after that four months was over, he, he meets a guy named Tyrannius. And Tyrannius, we don't really know much about him, but what we do know is that he was a teacher of some kind. He had a school or something like that where he had a group of students. And so Paul meets him, and Paul uh, begins to teach his students. And, and in the synagogue and in the school of Tyrannius, Paul's goal is one thing. What, what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to convince people of their need for Jesus. That's all he's trying to do. He's trying to convince them that, hey, they're sinners, that they deserve to spend eternity separated from God in hell, but because Jesus came and died on the cross, and if you put your faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you can have a relationship with God and a home in heaven. That's, that's what Paul is preaching. And apparently, preaching at the school of Tyrannus is very successful because Paul sees at the end of, or in the middle of chapter 19, the Bible says that all of Asia, after Paul was done, after he was there for two years, he was in Ephesus for two years, after he had been there for two years, all of Asia had heard the gospel. It's incredible. There's this huge success story, the beginning of Acts 19. And then we read this, starting in verse number 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons one, of one, Sceva, a Jew and a chief of priests who did so. 
And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. These guys try to cast a demon out of a dude and they lost. Completely and totally powerless. But why? Why didn't they have power? Well, first of all, you won't have power if your identity is caught up in something other than Jesus. Look back at verse number 13. It says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews exorcists. So this verse tells us something about these guys. They were, they were vagabond Jews, which that's just a, like a fancy way of saying they were homeless. They, they didn't have a place to live. They just traveled around like, like living under, you know, they, the rocks were their pillows. They, they didn't have a place to live. But why? What, what were they doing? Well, the Bible says that they were exorcists. So, so their goal in life was to cast demons out of people. Now, I don't know how you get this job. I don't know if like if, if they've wanted to do this since they were little, like they were in kindergarten and they had career day and the teacher's like, hey, Jimmy, what do you want to be? And Jimmy's like, I want to be a firefighter. Susie, what do you want to be? I want to be a veterinarian. And, and little Cody, he's in the back. Cody, what do you want to be? I want to be an exorcist. Like, can you imagine that PTA meeting? Like, hey, I don't think Cody's going to want to come to school anymore. I, Cody's going to have to go to a different kind of school. That's, that's where Cody's going to have to go. Like, I don't know how, how he, they got this job, but the Bible tells us they were exorcists. That, that was what they did. That, that, was, that was who they were. And then in verse number 14, it tells us something else about them. It says that they were seven sons, so they're all brothers. Why you would want to travel with seven guys who are all your brothers, I have no idea. But they did. So they were all seven brothers of one. And the guy's name, their father, his name was Sceva. Now, Sceva, it says that he was a Jew. Not only was he a Jew, he was a chief of priests. And so during this time, if there was a Jewish, uh, if there was a Jewish community, usually if it was over a hundred people, they would have something called a, uh, sorry, a Sanhedrin. And that Sanhedrin would be, uh, composed of about 23 men. And they would kind of lead that Jewish society religiously. And of the 23 people, there was one who was over the Sanhedrin. That guy was the chief of priests. So I say that to say Sceva was a very religious guy. Very, very religious. And, and that being said, the sons, these seven brothers, grew up in a very, very religious home. I mean, their dad was a, was a chief of priests. They were very, very religious. And not only were they religious, they had a really, really good goal. Right? I would say if there was somebody that was possessed by a demon and my goal was to cast demons out of people, I, that's a pretty moral goal. Right. I, I mean, I, I think that that's a good idea. We probably don't want people possessed by demons walking around like everywhere they go. They had a good goal. It, it, and, and that's like what they gave their life to. They gave their life to be exorcists. So much so that that's how the Bible describes them. It doesn't give us a name of any one of them. It just calls them exorcists. See, exorcist wasn't just what they did. No, no, exorcism was who they were. 
It wasn't just a lifestyle. No, it, it was who they were. They were completely and totally consumed with exorcisms. It's not just what they did. It was who they were. So much so that if people came and asked them, hey, what's your goal? What's your mission statement in your life? Man, our goal is to cast demons out of people. They went to exorcism university. They, their, their degree was in exorcism. I mean, this completely and totally consumed their life. It wasn't just what they did. It was who they were. The most important thing about them was that they were exorcists. Can I ask you something? What's the most important thing about you? For some of us, maybe it's our career. We love our job. And we love going to work in the morning. We enjoy our career. We enjoy getting to do what we do so much so that any time that somebody comes up to us and talks to us, it's all we can talk about. The only thing we ever talk about is our career. All we ever talk about is work. It's not just what we do. It's who we are. Like if we lost that, we would be nothing. For some of you, maybe it's money. Maybe you were just obsessed with money. And any time that somebody talks to you, 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 all you, you, all you can do is just share the stocks that you're invested in. And, and, and the only thing that you ever talk about to people and, and money, it, money is not just what you have, but it's, it's who you are. Like if you lost it, your life would be over. For some of us, maybe, maybe you're in school and you're really, really good at school and you are obsessed with learning, which is not a bad thing, but it's to the point where it's not just what you do, it's who you are. And so you spend all of your time just working on school. You can't, you, you're like, man, I can't hang out with friends because I'm so addicted to school. I can't stop. And, and school is not just what you do, but it's who you are. Maybe for some of us, it's a, a political stance. Or maybe it's an issue that, that is really, really, what we're really passionate about. So maybe it's pro-life or maybe you're pro-Second Amendment. Man, it, it, every time you talk to somebody, that's the only thing that you can find room to talk about. It, it's not just something you believe, but it's become who you are. You have that one thing that if you lost that or if you weren't that anymore, you don't know what you would do with yourself. Not just what we do, but it's who we are. What's your mission statement in your life? Because here's my concern. My concern is, is that we have a lot of Christians who have really, really good mission statements that don't include Jesus. Because we, we can spend all of our time doing, doing, doing who knows what, and we're really, really passionate about it. But the last thing that we're passionate about is Jesus. Like if we lost our job, if we lost our reputation, if we lost our money, our life would be over. But all the while, we're not walking with Jesus. And we're totally fine with it. Because that job or that belief or that thing has not just become what you do, but it's become who you are. And the reason we get there is because we forget who we are. Because if you're a believer in Jesus... That's the most important thing about you. The fact that you're a believer in Jesus, that should be the most important thing about us, right? But we forget. We forget that without Jesus, we're completely separated from God. That there's no way we can have a relationship with God without Jesus. 
we forget that without Jesus, we're doomed to experience God's wrath in hell for all of eternity. We forget that there's no hope without Jesus. We forget that God loved us so much that, that he wanted to have a relationship with us, but he knew he couldn't unless our sins were paid for. So what does he do? He sends his only son down to this earth to live 33 years. And then when he's 33 years old, he's crucified, given a criminal's death, executed, tortured, and God places every sin that we've ever done on him. And he says, hey, if you trust in his payment, you don't have to pay for it yourself, but we forget that. Because those things that, that, we're, that, that, that consume us and they're our, they're our identity, those things might change us here, but Jesus has changed our eternity. But we forget that. And Paul lives in this light. That's why in Philippians 3.10, Paul was able to say, like Paul gives us his life, life mission statement. He says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul said, hey, look, here's my life goal. Ready? Here, here it is. Paul's life goal was to get really, really close to Jesus. That's his goal. I wonder what would happen in my life if that was my mission statement. What would happen to me if I made my mission statement, hey, my goal in life is just to get as close to Jesus as I possibly can. I, th I think my life would change a lot. I wonder what would happen in our families and even in our churches, what would happen if we made our mission statement, hey, I'm just going to get as close to Jesus as I possibly can. We would celebrate it. Not just when we come to church, but we would celebrate him every day of the week. But we're so busy celebrating everything else that we don't take time to celebrate Jesus. We celebrate when we meet our quota. We, we celebrate our checking account. We, we celebrate when Scooter wins a baseball game. But we don't celebrate Jesus. And then we wonder, man, why don't I have power? Why, why don't I have power over my anxiety or, or my depression? Or why, why don't I have power over this sin? Why can't I get over this addiction? It's because our identity is so caught up in everything except Jesus. And we don't have power if our identity is caught up in anything other than Jesus. That's one of these guys' problems. They were exorcists, but they weren't Christians. So, so first of all, we won't have power if our identity is caught up in anything other than Jesus. But then second of all, you won't have power if Jesus is just a religious figure. Look back at number verse number 13. These exorcists, they come up, and uh, it says that they took upon them to call them which, were, which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they said this, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preached. Now, we have to understand something but before we get into this. Remember how I said at the beginning that Paul had this huge success story. Like Paul, he had, he had gone to Ephesus. Everybody's getting saved. Everybody's coming to know Jesus. What I didn't tell you was in the verses leading up to this, the Bible says this in verses 11 and 12. It says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, or, and the diseases departed them, listen, and the evil spirits went out of them. So right before these guys do this, Paul's casting out demons without even trying. 
Paul has power without even, like he's not going to them and commanding them. No, the Bible says that they were just taking handkerchiefs and pieces of Paul's clothing and taking it to people who were sick and who were possessed and they were laying it on them and the demons and sicknesses, they were just coming out of them. Paul wasn't even trying. And so in these guys' minds, they're like, hey, we're exorcists, like we we can do this. And, And so you know what we're going to do? It, the name of Jesus, it worked for Paul, so we're going to try it. So what do they do? They walk up and they say, we adjure you, we cast you out, we command you in the name, or by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Not Jesus, my Savior. Not Jesus, whom I preach. Not Jesus, who saved me. Not Jesus who I spent time with this morning. No, it was Jesus whom Paul preaches. See, they were living like Jesus was somebody else's God, but not theirs. See, when, when Paul wanted to get, Paul, what Paul's goal was to get, was to get really close to Jesus. And because Paul got really close to Jesus, he had power. For these guys, they wanted to do something crazy like Paul did, and so they used Jesus. For for these guys, Jesus was just a genie in a bottle that was supposed to answer their prayer requests like the moment that that he asked them, or that they asked him to. That's all he, listen, they were more in love with the miracles than they were with the master. You know, a lot of times I think that that we live our lives like that. But, but listen, we cannot defeat the enemy if Jesus is somebody else's God. We can't. It's not possible because we need him. And, and that's how so many of us live. Like we come, we, and I'm guilty of this too, we come to, to this building on Sunday morning. We come to a building, and this, this is where we meet God. And we come here and we listen to a message for 40 minutes, and then we leave, and Monday morning comes, and then we get busy. We, we all do. We, we get busy. Monday morning comes and then we have to go to work and we have families and we have all these other things. And before we know it, it's Saturday night and not one time did we spend time just to rest in the presence of Jesus. Like not one time did we sit down and try to learn something from his word on our own. Not one time did we sit down and try to talk to him in prayer. And then we wonder, why don't I have power? The Bible says this in James 4, 7. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And what I think a lot of us are doing is we're trying to resist the devil without submitting to God. We don't want really anything to do with Jesus. We just want victory. But friends, we can't get victory without Jesus. We won't have power over sin if Jesus is just somebody that we hang out with on Sunday. I like working out. I know you probably can't tell because of my gut, but I enjoy working out. And uh, when Gabby and I first started dating, we, we both, we, we, we loved working out. And uh, so one day she came to me and she was like, hey, do you want to work out with me? And I was like, sure. I, like, I'm a man. I'm not going to have a hard time with your workout. You're a girl. So, so I, I just, I was like, yeah, like we're going to, well, let's go work out. That's fine. And so we, we go to the, we go to the gym and I'm thinking this is going to be the easiest workout I've ever done in my life. Like uh, this is going to be, e- I'm going to have to do two workouts because, because she's a girl and I'm a guy, I'm just stronger. It's just how we're built. And so I walk into the gym and, and she was like, well, what, what do you want to do today? And, and I was like, uh, you choose. 
Big mistake. <laughs> and uh, so she goes, she goes, okay, let's do legs. Now, if you don't know anything about me, I hate leg day. Leg day, if I can skip it, I do, which probably shows. But I hate leg day. I despise it. So she said, let's do legs. And I was like, okay, like, I, I don't like leg day, but it's going to be fine because she's a girl. It's fine. So, so we start working out. And we get halfway through the workout, and man, I'm telling you, I'm, my legs are hurting. Like, it's bad. But I'm not letting her know. And, and, and so I'm just, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I'm good. And so we're doing squats. We're doing lunges. We're doing all these different things. Um, and, and so we, we finish the workout. And, <laughs> and I'm walking out of the gym like this. Like, I can't, like, I can't bend my, my knees. I wake, up, I wake up the next day. Man, I couldn't move. Like, like I was, I was bedridden for the next day. I, I didn't know what, and she's like walking down this, like skipping down the stairs and, and I'm, I can't move. I'm paralyzed from the waist down. I have nothing. I don't know what to do, but you know why she was stronger? The reason she had more power in her legs is because she had spent more time on them. The reason we don't have power is because we haven't invested in a relationship with Jesus. I have people that, that I look up to greatly, pastors and people who are great communicators, people whose relationships with Jesus I just admire. And you know what the difference between me and them is? The difference between me and them, they've spent more time with Jesus. That's it. They've spent more time investing in a relationship with their Savior, and that's where they get their power from. That's how they have power to overcome their, their addictions and anxiety and depression, that's where it comes from. Our power comes from Jesus. He's where power is found. Which leads me to my last point, and that's this, that if you won't have power if it's just you. Look at verse number 15. And the evil spirit answered. Now, I just want to stop there. And I'm telling you, if I'm in this situation, and I'm trying to cast a demon out of somebody, which... I hope I'm never in that situation. Um, but if I'm in this situation and a demon, I, I say, I adjure you in the name of Jesus, like come out of him. And, and the demon starts answering me. I'm telling you, I'm out. Like, that's it. I'm done. I, I, I don't care anymore. I'm done. If the, if the demon starts talking, because listen, in high school, I watched a lot of horror movies and I know how this kind of scenario ends for the attractive guy. So I'm, I'm not sticking around. It's not going to happen. So here's what they say. <laughs> Why did you laugh? You're supposed to laugh at that. Um, it's okay. I'll be up here for apologies later. Where was I? Verse 15. <laughs> Verse 15. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. But what was your name again? That's awkward. Who, who are you? Because the demon said, hey, I, I, know, I know who Jesus is. I definitely know who Jesus is, the Son of God. I know him. And I know who Paul is. And look, I don't think that they knew who Paul was because Paul was somebody special. Paul was just a guy, like you and me. They weren't, they weren't afraid of Paul. They were afraid of who was with Paul. So they said, hey, Jesus, we know who he is. And Paul, we know who he is because Jesus is with him. But who are you again? The biggest reason that they didn't have power was because they didn't have Jesus. 
Some of you came in this morning and, and you're at the end of yourself. Because, man, you've tried. You've tried over and over and over again. And you've said, hey, I'm not going to go back to that now. I'm not going to watch that again. Like This is the last time. I'm not going to watch it. I'm, I'm not going to say that again. I'm not going to think that way again. I'm not going to look in the mirror and, and hate what I see again. I'm not going to do it. I'm fighting it. I'm not going to do that again. And then three days later, you fall back into it. And you say the same thing. And you keep falling into it over and over and over again. And for you, you, you feel almost guilty because you come to church and there, there's a bunch of people who seem like they've got their life all together. And so you walk in here and you feel guilty and you're like, man, I've got to clean myself up if I'm going to go to God. But friend, you couldn't have it more backwards. Well, because we can't clean ourselves up. It's not going to happen. We cannot clean ourselves up. We have no power over anxiety or sin or depression or anything like that. We don't have anything, any power, unless we have Jesus. We have none. We don't have a power to fix our marriages without Jesus. And some of us, we're, we're trying to do it on our own. And we're just confused because we can't do it. We, we can't figure out how to conquer this thing on our own. Because we're like, man, i gotta, I got to get this right if I'm going to go to God. But friend, he's, he's waiting. He, listen, Jesus doesn't want to be somebody that you just spend time with on Sunday. He doesn't want to be that guy. No, he wants to be your Savior. He wants to be a, your Lord. But listen, he wants to be your friend. Because he loves you. He's crazy about you. He died for you. And today, he's watching you try to fight these battles by yourself and figure out how you can get victory over sin by yourself and figure out how you can fix your marriage by yourself. And he's just saying, hey, come here. Hey, I can fix that. Hey, I can, I can deal with that. Just, just come to me. I'll clean up your mess. I just want you. Romans 5.8 says, but God commended, demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were blaspheming his name, while we were ruining our marriages, while we were having anger issues, Christ died for us. He loves you. But you can't change anything about yourself without him. You couldn't even change where you were going to go when you die without him. Why don't we have power? I took three points really to explain this statement. The reason we don't have power, whether you're a believer in Jesus or whether you're not a believer in Jesus, the reason we don't have power is because we need Jesus. We need him. So I don't know what you came in here this morning needing power for. Maybe it was one of the things I mentioned. Maybe it wasn't. But I think one of these maybe touched your heart. Maybe you came in this morning and the reason you don't have power is because your identity is caught up in something other than Jesus. Your career, money, but it's not Jesus. Maybe, maybe for you, 
you're living like Jesus is somebody else's God. Jesus is the God of Bible Baptist Church, but he's not the God for you. Or maybe you're in here today and the reason that you have no power is just because you don't have Jesus. You've never placed your faith in him. And if that's you today, I want to welcome you to accept him to be your savior today. Come and talk to one of us. Come and talk to me. I'll be in the back or up here, wherever I am after. Come and talk to me. We'll get that settled. But you won't have power if you don't have Jesus. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And uh, as Miss Elaine comes to play, I just want to give you all some time to, to talk to God about whatever it is, to repent, to call on him, to ask him for help. Whatever the reason you don't have power is today, call on him. She's going to play. If everybody would stand.